At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Are you happy because you win? Or do you win because you're happy? At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. Before we get started, today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Are you happy because you win? Or do you win because you're happy? At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week. John is foaming at the mouth uh, to assign the Ultra Player of the Week uh, to this player. That is coming up (laughs) later on. Unfortunately, the Atlanta Hawks' Lloyd Pierce uh, will no longer be around to coach potential Ultra Players of the Week uh, because he has been fired by the Atlanta Hawks. And so I'll open up the floor here to you. I know you wrote about this. You're pretty plugged in with the Hawks being down there. Why did this happen and should it have happened? It happened for a multitude of reasons. Uh, I think expectations were high, perhaps unreasonably so, coming into this season. Uh, Second, I think the doubts about him were already there so that when they got off to this start, it just it just compounded uh, what they were already feeling a little bit. And one of the things I wrote about was usually when you see a coach fired in the middle of the season like this or early in the season, it's a sign that they really should have done it in the offseason. We're probably thinking about it a little bit. And it, situations like that, they should just get on with it because you end up losing a half season or basically a full season because you're going through the rest of the season with a coach you didn't necessarily want either. Um, you know, like if they had gone through a whole search process, would they have ended up with Nate McMillan as the head coach? Maybe, but unlikely, right? So he'll be the interim coach the rest of the year. We'll see what he can get out of this team. There definitely seemed to be some like weirdness around uh, Trey Young in particular and this, I mean, this is something that's followed him since Oklahoma, though, uh, that he's maybe not the league's most popular teammate. And so I think I think this is a this is a situation now where the light starts shining on him a little more harshly, too, depending on what happens in Atlanta the rest of this year and in coming seasons. What did you think of the athletics post-mortem piece? Obviously, you worked there, but some of the reporting that was in there from Chris Kirshner and Sam Amick talking about how multiple players had discussed with management that they would prefer that they move on from Pierce, uh, and obviously that he didn't connect with Trey. That was uh, no secret 
by the end and, and also that tony wrestler seemed to be growing more and more frustrated with some of these close losses and uh it, there was a bunch of other stuff in there as well but what did you make of all that reporting and you know how it relates to the idea of whether this is a move that they should have made or whether pierce deserved his fate uh at least in, in a basketball sense obviously he's been he's yeah been very, i mean the yeah. the thing about players going to management is tricky because uh you want to respect that coming from your players at the same time there's often there's some level of self-interest in that uh depending on who it's coming from i mean honestly if, if players went to management i mean who, who would that be right i don't think it was brandon goodwin and bruno fernando right like <laughs> you know it's gonna be it's gonna be the the high level guys there right so uh you know i don't i don't think you need to draw a map um so yeah, or or maybe it's someone like like Rondo or something too. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, a, a veteran with like some status in the league, even though if he's not like their their best player right now necessarily. So, uh, the, I th- I think that's a, a piece of it. Uh, I I just think the undercurrent to me is that those doubts were already there. So it, w- it was pretty easy to chip away at the edifice from that point. Uh, whereas I think you know if if one of Miami's guys came to Pat Riley complaining about Spolster, he'd just be like, "Get the hell out of my office!" Right? Yeah. Yeah, no, that 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 seems reasonable, but obviously Pierce did not have that level of resume in two and a half season. Uh, it's uh, you know, I I do I sympathize with those and uh, who are would defend Pierce's record as an actual court or, or coach on the floor. I struggle to see the things that you know he supposedly should have been better. They did have some late game collapses. I think you can point to a few of those, and, and there were I, some things. The, the yeah, Cleveland game to me was the trigger point. Uh, yeah, lo- losing a game they shouldn't have lost in in a way that was kind of tragic. Um, and I you know you go through most teams are going to have one game like that a year you know but i just think the timing of that was hugely unfortunate for his for his continued employment prospects yeah going way too early and then just giving up a game winning dunk and having no timeouts left with three seconds left to advance the ball and try to get a shot no that that was obviously very ugly and having subbed out capella right before that yeah yeah i mean i guess they were worried about him getting fouled but yeah which you know somewhat reasonable but you're also when you're ahead i think you need to worry more about uh, playing defense in that situation um and then they had another collapse late against miami they give up a a 10-0 run and uh certainly they had vastly underperformed their point differential this year and uh, as we know over time that's luck but uh, you generally that's going to even out but in the moment certainly you could point to hey this team is having some late game collapses so that i mean you, you understand all the narrative reasons why this happened but i mean if you consider that basically this team that was out on the floor was the same team that went 20 and 47 wrestler was like hey we need to show like some real progress uh they did they did show some progress they're it's pretty much the, a neutral the, this year's rating. team yeah this year's team was last year's team plus capella when you factor in that bogdanovich gallinari and okongwu and chris dunn have basically either hardly played or or not played well uh and cer- certainly i'd add rondo to that too and so and the one guy from last year who had really stepped up, DeAndre Hunter, is now out. They're five and eleven since Hunter went out. Well, and I think they also Lloyd Pierce, like the 
guys they drafted developed pretty well uh, on this team right i mean herder maybe a little bit hasn't but young got way better i thought pierce used young really well despite the fact that young didn't really care for him uh collins definitely got better yeah yeah collins got better hunter, andre hunter was awesome hunter was so gonna win the most year. improved player award i think if he had stayed on the court yeah yeah, yeah. well well it usually ends up being someone who like ascends to all-star level but uh i guess there's nobody really who's done julius randall that much of that this year. yeah oh yeah randall's gonna win it you're right he, he will win it this year if he keeps this up um and even like capella is having probably the best season of his career at least the best he's played since the 2018 playoffs in the first couple of rounds uh, so all that uh you know they they had a like negative six net rating with trey young on the floor last year and they're plus three this year obviously it was just the, the signings that absolutely killed him uh, and rondo not being healthy and not being good in the regular season and gallo is looking pretty calcified and he's missed a, a bunch of time as well and they've got you know solomon hill and tony snell and you know cam reddish has missed a bunch of time as well here a kongwu was injured he hasn't really been able to play obviously the loss of bogdanovich was massive clearly for their second year he's only played 229 yeah. minutes so i mean if you told me all the injuries they would have before the season and they would have a neutral point differential even with that i would have been ecstatic i thought they'd be a 500 team with everyone healthy yeah i would i would agree with that so so in some on some level they they've overachieved in some ways right you you could argue uh the yeah. the, the other thing on the negative side, I mean, the defense has gotten a little better. I mean, they were 25th at the time of the coaching change, which I think they were hoping for for a bigger uptick than that. Yeah, maybe so. Uh, but with Clint Capella on the floor, 106.5. With him off the court, 116.4. And they don't really have anyone at, at backup center who's been any good so is, or been able to play. So, uh, like, when they've had decent defensive players out there, they've been solid. You know, I think they've really taken a step forward defensively. That's why they got Clint Capella. They've used him really well uh, as a rim protector. And But th- this, of course, gets to my favorite phrase in uh, NBA coaching circles. Clint Eastwood in Unforgiven and i forget who it was in the wire uh i i will look that up the next time you talk uh who, who said it also uh deserve ain't got nothing to do with it and <laughs> that's ultimately that's ultimately what it comes down to like this this was something that once the players are going to management the good players are going to management and wrestler also was it seemed pretty fired up about getting better this year and also the pressure that was on travis Schlank. i mean this was just this was just going to happen everyone saw this coming before the season started right that yeah, the hawks which, didn't start gangbusters that this is going to happen yeah and there are uh, the piece from kirshner and amic goes into why they didn't do it in the offseason i mean there was the pandemic and then there's they didn't know whether the, the, there's that long four-month hiatus they didn't know whether they're going to be invited back to the bubble or not so you probably didn't want to move on from then and then obviously he got a ton of positive press and deservedly yeah. so uh, for his efforts uh, for voting and, and racial justice which hopefully he'll be able to continue to do um so i i mean i i think it was understandable why they didn't move on from him and, and also i think like schlank really liked him like i i don't think this was a travis schlank call i i kind of get that feeling you agree uh i, I uh, how, how how can i put this um I, I, I don't think I don't think he was dragged into this kicking and screaming. Okay, I, I, mean, I, I, uh, I mean, you not, would know more I'm, than I do. I'm, I'm not know. sure. I, you know, may, maybe maybe he wasn't on board with pulling the trigger right now. But I, anyway, that that would be my, that would be closer to my take on it. 
Yeah. Well, and also, like, he he didn't get a contract extension. His contract was going to be up. They had a team option for next year. So they didn't... I mean, I guess if your players are kind of iffy on the guy, and then you also don't uh, commit to him and yeah. basically say hey this is the guy you guys are gonna have to live with it then i think that's that's where you're setting him up to not succeed right if it's a situation where the players like him you know like a mike d'antoni last year in houston where they didn't extend him then like you know i think it's fine but if you're gonna go with the guy that the players where the players feel like oh it would actually be realistic to get this guy fired if we complain then they're <laughs> probably gonna complain yeah <laughs> You're you're bringing up the contract situation is uh, interesting too, though. I mean, obviously, there's a you know, I think that's that's the main reason Luke Walton is still coaching right now and Lloyd Pierce isn't. Yeah, we'll see what happens with him. Um, You know, maybe also the fact that McMillan went two and one when Lloyd. I mean, again, like Lloyd is. uh, I definitely understand the angst because you know he's he's a great guy and it seems like he's really getting screwed here that he leaves the team for three games for the birth of his child and that might be a slight part of why they moved on from him because McMillan actually did well Mm -hmm. at two and one in that time period. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's a tough. Tough business that way. Uh, yeah, uh, I had a thought and I lost it. Well, well, here's what I can also say. I mean, I do think, however, and I've, I've said this before in the coaching firing rank or uh, situation, that there is just like this really weird belly aching that every coach who gets fired is a tragedy. And Rick Carlisle and Greg Popovich got away. Oh my God! So just uh, once, yeah. can we get it? Can we get a coach? Can we get a coach from another team to say, you know what? I, I didn't think he was that good. Like they, they probably should have fired him. Like well, can that can guess, that happen just one time? <laughs> well, and guess what? Like he's still getting paid, right? Like this isn't yeah. this isn't like he's he's gonna starve tomorrow. Like they're still gonna pay out his contract. It's not like where is all the crying for guys who get cut on non guaranteed contracts or the guy who comes in on a ten day and plays one minute and never even gets a chance and then they move on from him after that like they and they didn't even have a practice during that time like what those are the people who you really should be feeling sorry for like coaches have guaranteed contracts like it's if the organization wants to move on from him and still pay him that doesn't strike me as like some massive tragedy but yet there's something there's still in our society like the sanctity of the coach and like every time a coach gets fired it's an indication that like our society is is in decline and people just (laughs) don't respect coaches and these these darn players are out of control like that's kind of like the subtext here and no like like they felt someone else could do a better job like you should if if you think that you should move on from just the same way that you would cut a player yeah exactly exactly there's only um, uh 30 of these jobs and it's an important one and if you at the end of the day if you think you can if you think you can get somebody better it's it's the same thing you do with your roster yeah so and same and, thing they do in front offices for that matter uh yeah yeah i mean that's uh and so uh, that's like it's one thing if it's like okay he's an at-will employee and he's just not going to get paid as soon as he gets fired like all right then, then you could feel a little bit worse for the guy but uh and, and lloyd even said that himself in interviews like i'm not going to be upset like travis schlank was one of my best friends and he gave me a great opportunity i'm not going to be bitter about it and obviously
obviously you need to say that if you want to get another job, but uh, it's it's true. Yeah, yeah. Here at the Lockdown Network, rockauto.com is one of our favorite family businesses. They serve auto parts customers online, but they do it with that family touch. The chain store for auto parts, that model doesn't work anymore. They have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. You go in, there aren't any parts out in the front. You go up to that desk. The guy goes into the computer system. They don't have your part. They say they can order it. You have to go back to the store again to get it. Why not just go to rockauto.com, enter your make and model, and shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. So go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure you write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. What's up, sports fans? Matt Peck here, host of Locked On Bulls, and I want to talk to you really quickly about another excellent podcast. Huge Fan is a new Sirius XM original podcast where stars talk sports. Each week, join host LaChina Robinson as she chats with your favorite celebs about childhood sports memories, game day rituals, the most heated rivalries, and more. And this new season features huge names like Anthony Ramos from In the Heights and Hamilton, Pat Carney from the Black Keys, Mel C, that's right, a.k.a. Sporty Spice from the Spice Girls, and even actress Michelle Williams talking about her love for our very own Chicago Bulls. Huge Fan is a fresh way to connect with your favorite artists, actors, and personalities about something we all understand, fandom. Huge Fan is now out on Pandora, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow the show or subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. Anything else? You Any other thoughts uh, on Atlanta? I mean, what, what are your, how are you feeling just about them going forward here now under Nate McMillan? So uh, I think they will probably uh, end up with a better record the second half of the season because they'll be healthier. I do think they have some really interesting decisions to make beyond this season. Uh, When you look at the John Collins situation and kind of the layout of their cap and how do they get a real backup point guard in there and, uh, you know, do they believe in, in the wing players they have or do they need to bring in somebody else? So I think there's a lot of interesting decisions facing this team over the next 18 months. And, you know, once once as a front office you make that coaching change, then your seat becomes hotter next. So, like, the, the, whether it's McMillan or somebody else, whoever they bring in after this has to work. Yeah, and it seems like Nate McMillan will have a chance. It, it is very interesting to me that the Kirshner and Amick piece – was like, oh man, like Lloyd Pierce was coaching too hard, like he's too much of a hard ass, and now, oh, but Trey Young loves the style of Nate McMillan. <laughs> right? What? Yeah, yeah. Nate, Nate McMillan. I mean, maybe McMillan has turned over a new leaf a little bit, uh, but to hear Jay Michael tell it out, out of Indy, part of the reason they moved on from him was because he didn't really want to change his style and be a, a little bit more touchy feely uh, in terms of relating to his players. So maybe, maybe he's been different as the assistant, as you've noted before. The assistant is the one that everyone likes because he gets to play the good cop yeah exactly exactly and you see that over and over uh so and he's gonna you know he's gonna have to make these same hard decisions about with you know especially when they get a little healthier about which which guys play and which which guys don't and you know is he gonna play rondo at all or is he gonna play bogdanovich as the backup point guard you know what is he gonna do with cam reddish you know those are all hard choices that uh you know now you're the bad cop Onyeka Okongu was another one he 
played. I think he played a little more yesterday, but he's still basically been in witness protection the whole time. Yeah, I mean, how has he looked when he's been out there? I, I blinked. I did. I like. I, I, I couldn't you, you even tell that? you. I I've seen so few of his minutes that I couldn't even give you an evaluation, honestly. Yeah, I, I mean, the only observation I've had is that he looks a little small out there for mm-hmm. to be in an NBA center. But that's, yeah. there's still times you can get away with that, particularly uh, on the second unit. Um, all right, I think that's that's probably enough on the Atlanta situation. You wrote a piece a couple of weeks ago about the Utah Jazz. And what you said basically was, if this isn't a championship contender, I don't know what a championship contender looks like. They've lost a couple of games since then, but they still have by far the best record in the NBA. They got three fewer losses than any other team at the moment. So explain what you meant by that statement. Uh, just in terms of a dominating statistical profile, right? When you when you look at them and what they've done in this regular season, is, I mean, it's not just that they have a plus nine scoring margin, they have the best record in the league, and they won 19 out of 20 games. It's like their their underlying stats are actually even more dominant. When you look at parts of the game, I, cleaning the glass does a great job of this. If you weed out the garbage time minutes, they're actually getting killed in garbage time minutes uh, because they put put in their last five players and those guys aren't Jarrell Brantley, my guy, is just not doing his job. <laughs> he, is not, he is not helping their, their uh, point differential situation at all. Um, so, uh, they, you know, when I wrote the article, they were like, they were like plus 12 in non-garbage time situation, which is like total dominance. Right. And, yeah. and you, I mean, th- that to me is, is a prima facie case for, I didn't go to law school. Did I say that right? Um, prima facie. Okay. Thank you. Uh, for, for, uh, a, a dominant contending team that doesn't preordain that they're going to win, but it certainly puts them on the short list. Yeah, they have won 1.5 fewer games than expected so far, and they have the number two offense and the number two defense. And uh, they're so to put that in perspective, I mean, any net rating over 10 is ridiculously like all time good regular season. Uh, they're as of right now plus 12.0 on cleaning the glass net rating the number two team in the nba is milwaukee at plus 6.8 yeah Yeah. (laughs) and that would be a point differential consistent with a 67 win team over 82 games which again that's up there with some of the best regular season teams of all time so yeah I, i think what they're doing here in the regular season statistically absolutely impeccable no arguments there whatsoever but <laughs> well, okay, so certainly any team that's doing this in the regular season, like you you have to give some credence to the idea that they could win. So let but let me ask you this. Are they your favorites in the West right now? If you if you if looking ahead two months, do you think that you will be picking them to get out of the West? Would you pick them to get out of the West right now? I guess would be a better way to say that. Uh I would pick the field over them, but I would pick them over any other individual team. Okay. Yeah, I think that that's reasonable. Now, it's looking like almost certain that they're going to have home court advantage. I mean, they project to win six more games, even per 538, which is a little bit lower on them. And that's yeah. the Raptor, you know, which puts in a lot of past performance as well and looks more at the individual players than what you've actually done so far this year. Um, but they, they project to win between 
six six and eight more games than anyone else in the west it would take a bit of a collapse or one of these other teams going on a crazy run uh, to uh take away home court advantage from them looks like they i mean they already have some fans there and looks like you know with some of the vaccine news maybe we'll see even more fans they've got the altitude as well so that and they may also although we'll talk more about the rest of the the west in a second they may also only have to face one of the la teams yeah exactly that that would be pretty big for them if they stay at one and the Clippers and Lakers stay in the two three bracket uh which I mean that's an interesting thing on its own like when you get to the last week of the season the season is one of these teams going to try to sandbag themselves down to four if if it looks like th- they could end up behind Phoenix and and avoid well, the other Phoenix, LA team in the second round the Phoenix Suns are currently second in the west and fear not we will talk about that momentarily but LeBron James played a bunch of minutes last night they lost to Phoenix and now he is going to be taking this game off uh, before the all-star break i think that's kind of just give him a little bit of extra time before he has to go to to atlanta uh, but you know I, I think there's a a and it could be i think probably kuzma and gasol are going to be out as well so they, they're kind of like all right you know we're it's not that important that we win this because i think they are starting to realize they would probably rather be in the four seed and that that would be a bit of a nightmare uh, for utah to still be number one seed but still have to potentially play both of the la teams i i i don't think they make it through that gauntlet if they have to play both of them if they have to play one of them you know i'd say it's probably uh assuming everyone's at full strength obviously that's a, another consideration but yeah uh, i would have them underdogs even with home court advantage against either of the la teams wow. and uh, so so but you don't feel that way i i think they match up better against the lakers than the clippers I agree. Uh, the I guess you know maybe I'm overreacting to the last time they played the Clippers, but so the the thing they don't really have is like that big uh, that big guy at three four um, who can match up one on one against uh, Kawhi Leonard or LeBron James. But I I almost feel like it's a bigger problem against Kawhi than it is against uh, LeBron because I agree. Yeah. Because Kawhi tends to like post up and use his body and get into people more. Like LeBron, it's it's easier to play him with Joe Ingles. Not that I mean LeBron's still going to get thirty ten and ten or whatever, but that the fi- the physicality of that matchup isn't isn't as overwhelming as it is uh, when you play against Kawhi. And the other thing with the Clippers is that they can play five smalls more easily than the Lakers can and really spread things out and kind of take Gobert somewhat out of the equation. Like one of the things Utah has to figure out in a Clipper series is who can they put Gobert on where he can still be a factor as a rim protector? Like, you know, do you just put him on Reggie Jackson and live with live with Reggie Jackson shooting threes? Uh, yeah. or, Reggie Jackson hits a lot of shots the, yeah, these days. Well, yeah, spot up shooter yeah, yeah. So, that, you know, that's, that's not a great one. Or, you know, it depends partly who else the Clippers put on the floor, I guess. But when it's when it's George Morris Leonard you know those those three across the front court positions there's not a lot of great places to stick Gobert now you could go zone too I guess but the Utah's backcourt is so small like I just feel like Kawhi sees right over those two guys at the top so that that's a challenge too yeah that's that's interesting um 
Yeah, I, I, by, by the way, just to clarify what you're saying about Kawhi versus LeBron, I mean, clearly LeBron is the superior physical specimen of Kawhi, although that's no slight on Kawhi. But I do agree with you that just in the normal course of operation, Kawhi uses his body more. He wants to get to the mid-range, whereas LeBron, he wants to face up. You know, he's not really using his body. He doesn't want to shoot mid-range jumpers the way Kawhi does he's more physical when he gets down in the post but they don't do that much of that now if they go with Anthony Davis at center maybe that changes a little bit uh but then still you know you've got Gobert close to the rim when LeBron is trying to post up and his the really dangerous stuff that LeBron is going to do is you know backing down some poor sap and just putting him in the goal whereas Kawhi like there's a number of things about the Clippers you mentioned that game like oh it's one game you don't want to overrate it but that fit into all my priors and there's a number Mm -hmm. of reasons to think that number one is that the Clippers are a great offense and they never get to the rim right so Rudy Gobert walling off the rim that doesn't really hurt the Clippers as much as basically any other team so that's one and then number two is that Kawhi uh, they don't have anyone to really stop him from doing exactly what he wants to do which is kind of get into the mid-range and shoot over you which in the playoffs is difficult and then the Clippers switching I thought you know a good veteran team that's not going to make mistakes on switches you know this isn't some team on the second that you know the charlotte hornets on the second night of a back-to-back coming in and trying to switch in salt lake city like this is the clippers so they're going to make utah go one-on-one and if it turns into a one-on-one game and a mid-range shooting game because the clippers did a good job of keeping the jazz away from the rim like that's a contest that i really favor the clippers and they have better personnel in that kind of a game than the jazz do yeah, that's that's the most interesting part of it is can you know are Mitchell Mitchell and Conley and Clarkson between them are they good enough to find a matchup and and take advantage of it in a playoff game when there's not a uh, a kind of an easy mark sitting out there like when it's one thing if you you know try to get Lou Williams on the switch when he's on the floor but if the Clippers are playing you know Leonard George Morris Beverly and you know either Jackson or Batum like you know who are you hunting I mean I guess you know that there 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 are guys who are weaker defenders and 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 not as good as Kawhi certainly but like there's there's not that one guy where you're just like you know neon red flag like kick me go after this guy yeah so I, I and I agree with you I think they match up a little bit better with the Lakers and obviously Anthony Davis has to be Anthony Davis uh for I mean I still would favor the Lakers too particularly because I think the Lakers do have that Anthony Davis at center in their pocket I think you know Gobert is just about the best guy in the league to defend a lot of these guys and probably anthony davis is in that even you know i thought gobert even though Jokic was great in that series i thought gobert did as good a job as anyone can do on Jokic. and davis is probably not quite as dynamic an offensive threat as Jokic is and lebron really wants to get to the rim and the Lakers just don't have the level of outside shooting that the Clippers have. So I think I think actually all of these series uh, are between the LA teams or between Utah and the LA teams be much more defensive series than, than people think they're going to be. I would I would agree with that. Yeah, the um, like the Clippers series series against the Clippers like I it could turn more offensive if the Clippers end up playing small. Yeah, that, that's a possibility with Morris at center. I mean, I think they're only going to probably do that the last five minutes of each half would be my guess um and Ty Lue does just generally default more to offense as well and I also think they'll end up just not playing Zubats 
by the end of the, that that series, minimizing Lou Williams' role. Mm-hmm. Luke Kennard might not even play at all. You know, kind of like well, now. Yeah, I was going to say he's, he's barely playing in the regular season games. Seems like Terrence Mann has kind of surpassed him. Yeah, but Mann's another guy who's just he's not going to be able to hold up in the playoffs. Just I agree due with to his that. lack of shooting. Yep. Uh, like there's just too many weaknesses. Uh, I think so. Yeah, you know, I'm, should I with home court advantage? Should I rule out the fact that or, or the idea that Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley and Jordan Clarkson can do enough one on one and that the Jazz can hit enough threes? uh off the dribble because that's the clippers have really taken away the jazz catch and shoot three-point game which is what they're really deadly at no i wouldn't say that's impossible but i again i would think that the clippers uh would have the advantage there um what about the phoenix suns though john yeah they're uh they're playing really well and you know we we talked we already did our entire ode to chris paul last week when we talked about our all-star picks um and the impact he has on a team but the rest of this team is interesting because they're all young and they're mostly pretty good. Like, you know, Booker was named as a as an all-star uh, substitute reserve, which I think that was probably a, a decent call as much as I love Mike Conley. Uh, you know, he, he has a pretty strong case for being the 13th best player in the West this year. Uh DeAndre Ayton has really come along. I think defensively he's at least neutral now, whereas as a rookie yes. he, he was not. Mc- uh, Mikhail Bridges has become a really good two-way player, like an all-defense caliber defender who also scores a fair amount and can shoot and space the floor. Uh, 42.6 from three. Uh, like, he's good. Uh, and yeah. then they're... Good, good finisher, run, runs the floor, can can drive it and make decisions off of closeouts, and uh, 102 defensive rating when Mikhail Bridges uh, is on the floor. That's uh, That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then their, you know, their bench is just pretty solid. Like I think they're built very well for for the NBA regular season. Oh, I'm sorry. Actually, I, let, let me interrupt. I, I had that wrong. Actually, they are they are much better with them off the floor. They are 102 with them off the floor, 109 with them on the floor. Sorry about that. Uh, that actually does lead into a point I want to make later. But uh, so, sorry to interrupt there. But uh, we we correct our errors on this show. Yes. Uh, as I was saying, that their bench is pretty good. Like they go twelve deep with halfway decent players, and so yeah. that I think they're built well for what this regular season is, where a lot of times you're going to have three not three guys out, or your best players are only going to be able to play twenty eight minutes because it's your fourth and five or whatever. So that they're built for this regular season. Now in a in a playoff situation, how much do I believe in this team? Yeah. I mean, certainly when you get in these, you know, against against the LAs, against Utah, against Denver, even I, I probably would not give them the advantage. I think they they could be decent against Denver. We'll see. We haven't seen Denver at full strength in months here, and they did they did have a, a really nice back to back wins against Chicago and Milwaukee. But yeah, that's interesting. You know, Chris Paul has usually been pretty good in the playoffs. He's pretty good in crunch time, and Booker also, I think, for a lot of teams, is going to be a real really really difficult playoff matchup with his size and ability to get into the mid-range i mean i think they they are kind of built for the playoffs in that they have these two guys who particularly if you don't have switchable defenders like if you're just going to let chris paul go at you against a conventional pick and roll defense i mean unless you got rudy gobert back there like he's going to carve that up i think uh and uh, you know the lakers don't really have anyone to guard devin booker which is a problem uh you know he went off on them until he got ejected last night yeah uh i do think yeah 
I think they match up very poorly against the Clippers, uh, but I think they actually, uh, now they just don't have as much talent against, as the Lakers do, and I'm sure things will look different when Anthony Davis is out there at full strength uh, with the Suns trying to go at him, uh, particularly because he can switch on to Chris Paul and stop him no problem in a pick yeah. and roll if you need to do that. So, yeah, I mean, you don't you look at them and they don't have quite the high-end talent. And the other thing is that so much of their success right now is built on this crazy second unit that they have with Dario Saric at center. And I, I, I mean, I watched them last night and they were great and there's reasons they're succeeding. But I, I also am skeptical that that can continue into a playoff format, that you're going to close with Dario Saric at center and you're going to beat people. I completely agree with that. Uh, you know, and that's that's one of the differences between regular season and the playoffs, right? Is that your bench advantage just almost completely goes away most of the time. For for teams that rely on a strong bench, like it, the advantage of that just gets eroded so strongly in the postseason. Yeah. Where and con, Le- conversely, forty one minutes now. Conversely, the weakness of a crappy bench kind of goes away. You know, for you know these teams like the Lakers a little bit or Boston, especially in the East. Uh, you know that they'll probably punch above their regular season weight for the same reason. Yeah, well, you hear, heard it here first. The Hawks are going to punch above their weight in the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say play in or playoffs? <laughs> yeah, I, I, actually, I mean, I still, I, I still like the Hawks at full strength better than you know the hornets or i think the they're or i think they're better teams, than the so. knicks or the bulls certainly yeah yeah so, or the, the bulls are in that mix too yeah. um so uh, i mean if you if you had to rank the west now in terms of the likelihood of getting of winning the conference assuming full health what are your west power rankings okay so i'll go one utah i'll go 2a clippers 2b lakers uh you know, very, very close. Feels a little splitting hairs-ish there. Uh, I, I, I scratch my head a little as to who has the advantage when they play each other. But I do think your, your point about the Clippers matching up better against Utah after that fact is well taken. Um, and then I think there's kind of a gap there and you get to like Denver, Phoenix, maybe a fully healthy Portland. Yeah. I would go Clippers one, and um, but so much of this too just depends on how the bracket shakes out, right? Like if the Clippers are two and the Lakers are four and the Jazz are one, Clippers looking a lot better, right? Like whichever yeah. team gets to only have to play one of the other two, I think has the advantage just, without a doubt. Yeah, 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 and it's going to yeah, be the so same you, thing in the East. Yeah, so so I would I would slightly favor the Clippers over the Lakers. Uh, just when they've matched up head to head, I thought the Clippers over the last two years. I think the Clippers have just had the better of it, and uh, you know the Lakers again, like don't have a ton of guys. You know, do you want to put Anthony Davis on Kawhi? That kind of takes him away from some of his help responsibilities. It's tough for him to get through a screen. Um, it's also just hard to tell with the Lakers because they so rarely actually play their best lineup in the regular season. Yeah, yeah, and you know for. A- couple of these teams i think there's the realization as they go through this season that the thing that matters that truly matters isn't the season itself i would certainly put the lakers in that category i would put milwaukee in that category uh i think the clippers are probably mostly in that category although they seem a little more focused on this regular season than the last one um so yeah so some of this stuff you don't totally know until you see them in that playoff environment and the one thing the, the one thing you can say about the lakers is we've seen them do it have we? 
Did they play anyone last year? I I, I realize that's contrarian. Like, they obviously were very good. They beat the teams in front of them pretty convincingly. But, I mean, what was the best team that they played in the playoffs last year? Like, Denver? Yeah. Miami was so injured by the end. Yeah, although, I mean... I would say they contributed heavily to making Houston look as bad as they did. That's true. Absolutely. Uh, although with Russell Westbrook as compromised as he was, I think Houston was uh, was always going to struggle. And if you just when you have 20 shots a game from a guy who's going to shoot 37 <laughs> percent. Yeah. yeah, you're kind of drawing dead on offense right there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I mean, I, I am a big believer in the Lakers defense. I, I think they have the best playoff defense in the NBA and they have the best playoff defensive player in the NBA and Anthony Davis. Apologies to Rudy Gobert, who is clearly the best regular season defensive player in the NBA. I think AD just has a little bit more versatility than Rudy Gobert does. So, I mean, that's a good starting point. And then LeBron James and Anthony Davis on offense is pretty good too. It's really more about some of the support guys and yeah. I mean like you know Montrez Harrell that's looking like a real bust of a signing right like this was when with AD out like he was supposed to shine he starts he plays 19 minutes with Gasol and AD and Kuzma out last night yeah that's uh definitely a red flag there it's interesting like he's been productive in his minutes but just the his playing style and how he fits in defensively I mean this was all the questions that people had when the signing happened is and how do you fit that in in a playoff game like you're not really going to play him and AD at at the same time in the fourth quarter of a playoff game so that's all and then the you know Schroeder like low key has not been great um and Danny Green was really good. Like, even though he wasn't necessarily, uh, you know, he wasn't flashy. He was streaky as a shooter, but just a yeah. good, You got to guard him, though. You had to guard him. Good defender, and he just never got in the way, uh, which is which is kind of a low-key skill. But it's, but, but it's, but like, he never took anything off the table. Yeah. Well, and also the playoff version of Ray John Rondo, who was so awesome last year. Like, that player isn't on the roster anymore either like that i mean i think the way rondo played last year in the playoffs i think he's gonna he gave them more than Schroeder is gonna give him this year that's a good point he was because he wasn't that good in the regular season and then the playoffs last year he was he was really fantastic and uh the uh, Hawks might have studied the regular season a little harder <laughs> before they before they signed me to that yeah. deal. But yeah, but wasn't that good is uh, one of the more charitable things that you said <laughs> yeah. on this program, actually. And then uh, you um, know, KCP yeah. too, man. He started off the year like gangbusters, and he's kind of he, like he he never shoots anymore. Yeah, uh, and so so I, I don't know, you know, Gasol is, is looking like, I mean, I think uh, when they match up against Denver, Gasol will, will be critical, but other than that, how much is he really going to play as well? So I'm, yeah, it, we'll see. You know, we felt the same way about the Lakers last year, though they had a much better regular season in the end last year than they're on pace for right now. But let's see what happens when Anthony Davis comes back. I mean, that's really, they were looking great until Anthony Davis got hurt. So uh, we were, a month ago, we we're like, yeah, these guys are the no-brainer champions your favorites and yeah some of the support guys haven't looked as good and lebron's cooled off from three which i think is important um you know that's a really important part of his game right now but yeah that's uh but let's see what happens when ad gets back i'm not gonna hit the panic button on those guys yet the average protein bar is quite terrible it tastes like one of those layers of sedimentary rock at the top of the grand canyon built bar has solved that problem though they are now up to 18 amazing flavors six new ones cherry bar sia cookies and cream caramel brownie 
lemon almond cheesecake that goes with the 12 original flavors like raspberry german chocolate peanut butter peanut butter brownie double chocolate mint brownie they taste so good because they're covered in 100 chocolate and they're soft and easy to chew but they are still great for the health conscious guy you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat the bars are low calorie low sugar high protein high fiber great for a keto diet for example their peanut butter bar 19 grams of protein 180 calories 5 grams of sugar just 5 grams of net carbs and you can get a free cooler with purchase while supplies last go to builtbar.com and use the promo code lockdown the name of this network you get 20 off your next order that's promo code lockdown for 20 off at builtbar.com david harrison here the locked on washington football team podcast celebrating with you a 21 grain salute to a less boring sandwich thanks to dave's killer bread i don't know about you guys but when i eat pizza i eat it for the toppings not the crust and when i eat a sandwich it's for what's inside the bread not for the bread but when i throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds thin sliced bread from dave's killer bread it is the epitome of addition by subtraction that thin sliced bread lets me focus on what's inside the sandwich but also adds to the sandwich with killer taste killer texture killer nutrition a subtle sweetness and a seed coated crust dave's killer bread is america's number one organic bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for dave's killer bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store but uh, alas it is time to it's hit time. the panic button on a team that we will rule out of the playoffs oh yes yes okay all right uh minnesota timberwolves <laughs> <laughs> but John, John, did you think we were going to do the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week? Uh, yes, I, yes, I did. The, That's what I was hoping oh, it, it, about. It's 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 coming, everyone. Okay. We, All right, it, it it will happen. Okay. Uh, but yes, uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Unfortunately, you ruled them out of the playoffs on January twentieth, so they are they are no longer available. I waited until last week uh, to review who we have ruled out. Uh, we have ruled out three of the same four teams, which is OKC, Cleveland, and Minnesota. I have already ruled out the Pistons. You have already ruled out Orlando. I went first last week. It is now your turn. All right. Uh, I think we're we're going to go in a different direction here. We have a team that has lost 12 straight games, that has scored less than 100 points in five of their last 10, and uh, just kind of looks like they're cooked. Uh, let's uh, select the Houston Rockets as my team that will not make the playoffs. You're really a believer in, in Detroit with uh, Dennis Smith at, at point guard. <laughs> I just think that getting getting into that play-in tournament in the East, like I can't eliminate Detroit or uh, Orlando yet because of that play-in in the East. Um, but yeah, Houston. Well, is, no, you already you actually already have eliminated. Oh, Orlando. I, oh, I eliminated They're the second. Orlando. I did. Eliminate they are the Orlando. second team that you eliminated. <laughs> Sorry. Um, Apologies. I may I may have actually yeah, jumped I mean, the gun on them, but the, there's no shortage of choices here, obviously. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean the the Houston Rockets. Let's uh, let's do a little uh, a little wrap up here on their season. I mean, it started off. They what did they win? Like five, six straight right after the Harden trade, and then yeah. obviously they basically haven't had Christian Wood since then, and that is seems to have totally torpedoed their season at this point. But I mean, they are a really bad basketball team right now. The Houston Rockets. Yeah, I mean, I think. The other thing is they're not getting a whole lot from Wall and Oladipo either. Uh, Wall got off to a really good start. I think he's really leveled off lately. 
yeah. and then he's being asked to do way too much for this team. And then Victor Oladipo just hasn't had that that burst, hasn't shot well. Uh, I'd be a little concerned about that one, uh, almost to the point where they dodged a bullet with him not taking that extension. So that yeah, it's it's just not looking great. Uh, PJ Tucker, you know, all these teams talk about trading for PJ Tucker, but he is. I mean, offensively now he is just a total zero. Like there's just there's just nothing there. Seven points per hundred possessions. Uh, not even shooting the ball well, even though he only ever shoots completely wide-ass open threes from the corner. Those, those are literally the only shots he ever takes, and he takes like two a game, and still not being accurate or productive. He can still guard, but I, I think I think the idea people have of him, you know, being a guy who can help a playoff team, I, eh, that's uh, that's not looking great. Uh, Daniel House, low key, having a really bad year. Yeah, he's had some injury issues as well. But I mean, when your top two creators are John Wall and Victor Oladipo, and half your games only one of them are playing because neither of them can play in back to backs. So John Wall at least played in a back to back to try to quell the losing streak, which which didn't work. I mean, Oladipo, he can't get to the rim anymore, and that's not good because he's basically shooting thirty percent on all shots that aren't right at the basket. Yeah, and and he's. I mean, he's taken 39% of his shots from downtown. He's under 30% from three, and he's got four dunks uh, in a Rockets uniform, which is not where you want to be. So maybe it could look better when Christian Wood comes back for them, but the big question is just, are they going to sell guys off? I mean, to me, that seems like a no-brainer, but, you know, Eric Gordon, I mean, this is the time to move on him. He's actually the one guy who's having a decent season on this team. Yeah, you you got to get out from that contract right now. Now. Yeah, even even if you don't take any picks back, just just to get off of that deal would be a win. Yeah, uh, Eric Gordon is shooting seventy four percent at the rim as a thirty two year old. That's that's pretty good, particularly on this yeah. team, which because part of their problem right now is they have no size, but they also have no spacing. <laughs> yes, it's a bad combination. <laughs> <laughs> They're a team full of 6'4 rim protectors. Yeah, I, I mean, the uh, other than Christian Wood, and even Ben McLemore can't hit a three this year. Like, uh, what is their team three-point percentage? Let me look at this. It's got to be awful right now. It is, yeah, 33% 30th in the NBA, yeah. and they are third in the NBA in uh, three-point attempt rate. So the, they are... The, the math is even that math doesn't doesn't work out eventually um so yeah i mean i think that but other than christian wood i mean i think you would try to move everything that's not tied down including oladipo if he if he has any value left at all which i in my opinion he really shouldn't yeah but yeah. if there's anyone even remotely interested in him i would move him and then good save by, but the, Pacers, the, question, yeah, by the way yeah and, and also you can then try to yeah yeah <laughs> did you say they should try to move him for Karis Levert? no no i said good save by the pacers move him for Levert. Oh, oh, yeah, that I mean, was because the mean, Rockets was, didn't have to do that. They could have just hung on to Levert. Yeah, I guess they just wanted a little more payroll flexibility next year. I, I mean, I understand if they're going to try and tank the next, you know, in the twenty two yeah. and twenty three season when they have their pick, Levert at twenty seven and twenty eight, probably you know he's just good enough to not let you do that. I mean, they, you've mentioned this before. They have this top four protected swap that's with it uh, among four teams that they should probably be trying to keep. And if Wood comes back, they might actually actually end up being just effective enough to uh knock them out of there but that's uh ideally uh, I, I mean but more yeah 
Ideally, yeah, Wood coming back takes them from losing by 15 to losing by five. That would be like your best case scenario for the Rockets. Yeah, maybe so. Uh, but, I mean, is Tillman Fertitta, is he on board with just his whole rebuild? Tim McMahon did say on, on his podcast with Windhorse that they're in sell mode. Kelly Eco of The Athletic hasn't been as sanguine about that. But he also said if they keep losing, that it probably would be sell mode. So I guess we'll talk as we get into talking about the trade deadline in the next couple of weeks here that about what the value of these guys could be but they they clearly got to be in sell mode and it's just you know they got christian wood and they basically got nothing else for the future of this team right now that would be accurate so uh and i mean who knows maybe maybe they even at some point end up trying to trade christian wood uh because he's only under contract for three years i guess they and they they won't be able to extend him unless they renegotiate and extend that's probably what the, although i can you i don't know if you can renegotiate and extend for only a three-year contract i know you can extend it but i think it might be four to be able to renegotiate and extend still i don't know if they changed that in the uh, last cba I so they, they could be in an interesting situation with him uh a year from now where they can't extend him and he's making 13 million when you say you, can, you can't extend him because his money is too low compared to what he could get in the open market in 23 that's that's what you're right. Saying, right i mean yeah yeah i mean he would be he's a 25 million dollar a year player and he's making 13 you can just start him at 120 percent of that that's not enough so yeah um yeah good job going for the three-year deal by the way uh for him instead of instead of four we'll see how he plays obviously when he when he gets back he might be a little over his head with 42 percent from three so i still have to rule a team out and let's see here got a few candidates i wouldn't want to uh give away my strategy here though to you for for future weeks you know the orlando magic they're still the, the heart's still beating there a little bit um yeah i, I think i think it's got to be the houston rockets uh, as well just because like the team like the grizz the warriors the pals i mean those those teams are all better than like these really bad teams in the east so yeah i, I think it does have to be the houston rockets uh, as well now john i wanted to you've been watching a ton of g league far too much uh the the g league bubble sadly i i have not really been as focused in on that but anyone in in the g league bubble is impressed obviously there's plenty of two-way guys who are down plenty of guys on assignments from their team but also uh, unaffiliated players uh, who might get signed at some point here who's stuck out to you as someone who uh, is better than we think or might be able to help a team if they're unaffiliated what do you say i would say there are three two-way players who have played uh pretty well uh as bigs down there and one of them in particular stood out. So Mamadi Diakite, uh, Wahua from the University of Virginia, uh, Milwaukee two-way player, uh, had a very good uh, session down there for Lakeland, and he, the Bucks now just recently called him up. I, I mean, is he actually going to play for the Bucks? I think probably not, but uh, he's also a little older he, than some of these other really guys. He's really thin, right? Yeah. Isn't, isn't he really thin? Yeah, yeah, undersized, but like very switchable, loves to play defense. Um, so Switchable it, it, is interesting. Yeah, so... Interesting to see what his exact role would be on an NBA team, too, because I think, you know, some of these guys get, can get away with playing his undersized fives in the G League, and it's harder for them at the pro level. Uh, Moses Brown on a two-way for Oklahoma City, and he's still really young, too, and he was good in the G League last year. Uh, definitely an interesting guy as far as a five to watch. I think he could end up being the Thunder's backup five next year. He's been he's been that, really that, good down there. Uh, just, that, that's fascinating to me. I, I knew little about him other than he's just kind of, 
very awkward and thin. I mean, he's huge, right? Isn't yeah. he, isn't he like seven one, seven two, or something like that? Uh, I think I think you have that right. I mean, he's he's definitely a, a traditional. Yeah, he's seven one. He, you know, de- definitely a traditional five. But he like, he's been he's been really effective. And again, it's. Uh, I do think it's easier for these guys to dominate in a, in a G League game where where they're the only big and where there's four perimeter guys and they always have a clean run run and uh, they can kind of do their thing inside and just play one on one against the other big. So there is a little of that, but uh, he's I mean he's 21. He was definitely raw coming out of UCLA. Was on a two way with Portland last year and. Was good enough that I was a little surprised they didn't keep him. So very interesting to see it, what he can become. I, I hadn't, I wasn't really familiar with him at all. But they played him very, very little at the NBA level. I, I thought, and when they did, I saw about like a fifty-second segment of him at like the end of a second half or second quarter when like everyone was in foul trouble. And I think they were like negative eight in his minutes. He like, you know, I mean, the, some of the mistakes he made were crazy. He like, you know, stepped on the baseline trying to inbound the ball and turned it. <laughs> over and you know just like fumbled a couple of passes out of bounds and he looked so awkward i was like i mean i don't know anything about this guy but this might have been the worst 50 seconds i've ever seen in like the first 50 seconds of watching a guy so um that's all i knew about him and i wasn't gonna make that my entire judgment but i when they let him go i was like okay that's not a huge surprise to me uh but uh you, you know better than i do apparently uh on him so uh uh, and then uh who is the uh the third as yet unnamed gentleman uh the 58th player in the draft the guy i had i had pegged as a lottery pick has been without a doubt the best player in the g league uh that's paul reed uh of delaware philadelphia's affiliate uh he's uh the the interesting thing with him is that even though his shot looks funky he's actually made a decent number of threes and then he's able to dribble drive from the three-point line uh is long runs the court well rebounds very active defender high rates of stocks uh so i i think there's a lot there he he reminds you a little in the way he moves and plays uh of marcus canby uh he's a little smaller than canby and his jump shot is less jacked up but that's especially in a g league environment where the, everyone else on the court is smaller too like you, you almost feel like that's who you're watching and I'm, I'm not saying that that his future is anywhere on that level but I do think he's a guy uh, who has clear rotation potential at a minimum Wow John that is quite the resume you just laid out there probably enough to make him the McLeobel drum player of the week <laughs> yes 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 the most it, the most exciting moment in the history of this podcast. <laughs> Well, it, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. John clearly enjoyed Paul Reed being the <laughs> player, player of the week. 2.6 carbs, 95 calories. Joy creates success. Enjoyment isn't the end game. It is the whole game. Paul Reed clearly enjoyed his stint in the gobble. 2.6, Paul right. Reed, 26 points today to lead uh, Delaware to a comeback <laughs> win. That's right, yes. Uh 10 points uh, for every carb that is in uh, Michelob Ultra. Uh, are you happy because you win, or do you win because you are happy for Michelob Ultra? Paul Reed, the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. 
Well, football may be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. I like it better when football is over, personally. And Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. In fact, Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. You got real time updated odds and props on almost anything that you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit that's pretty good bet online your online sportsbook experts and don't forget the promo code locked on to let them know that you came from us and so obviously he's dominated at the g league but how do you think that could translate eventually into him being an effective player at the nba level particularly for a, a team like philly yeah he's a little interesting guy to slot in next to Embiid. i think he's probably better to play uh either next to a shooting five or as a small ball five when Embiid is off the floor. Uh, just because like the, his his long-range shooting is the weakest part of his game. I think he can guard fours and be totally fine. I think he can handle the ball well enough. He runs the floor well. Uh, but but just you, you want to maximize your space around Embiid, and he's probably not the best guy to do that. But he can do everything else on an NBA floor. And and so I, th- that that's where I would see him fitting in and i'm really interested to see whether they're able to carve out a role for him there in this next year or two and again he's on a two-way do, there right now do you have a, an nba comp for him uh i don't know he's a he's a funny player like i said i mean a, a little bit marcus kid but it's not it's not quite marcus kid like he kind of moves like him but he's he's more perimeter than that um can I bounce one off you? Yeah, sure. Thaddeus Young. Yeah, that might be a good one. That might be a good one. Um, more wired to score and less to pass than, than Thaddeus Young is, for sure. But that's a good one. Yeah, and he's got a little more bounce probably than, than Thaddeus Young. And I mean, Thaddeus Young is a wonderful individual defender. And, and Reed, to me, at least you can correct me if I'm wrong here, seems like more of an off-ball playmaker type than a guy who's going to switch on to some of the best guys on the other team uh, and shut them down one-on-one. But also he could, you know, Thaddeus Young wasn't this guy when he was 22 either. So Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Thaddeus Young was, and, a, was much more yeah, athletic. I mean, that is a little that, bit of a yeah. tough fit with, with Embiid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So so um anybody else who stood out i mean you mentioned you mentioned the bigs any either guys who are on assignment who look particularly good or or any unaffiliated guys that might be worthy sure of uh, so on the perimeter i would say of, of the guys who were who belonged to teams that were down there i would say malachi flynn from toronto had a pretty good uh session down there they called him back already uh but but he was pretty good uh I think two guys from uh, Santa Cruz are looking at call-ups or 10 days, uh, either either a two-way or a 10-day uh, soon. Uh, Axel Tupan, who's kind of a 3-4, pretty athletic, pretty good defender, can handle the ball okay, has always struggled shooting, but he shot it well enough down there, and he's otherwise been fairly dominant. Uh Probably that, like statistically, probably the best perimeter guy down there uh, in the in these two weeks. I think Jeremy Lin's been pretty good. Uh, he uh, seems to have most of his burst, uh, and you know he 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 just knows how to play, right? Like he just has so much more experience than these guys. Uh, so I think he's a guy who you could look at getting a, a ten day contract soon. Uh, 
Another guy people don't talk about much, Sheldon Mack, uh, who played at Miami. He was Sheldon McClellan when he played at Miami and then legally changed his name. Yeah, I liked him before he tore his Achilles. Yeah, yeah. But pretty good scorer, pretty athletic. Uh, He's been good. And he's, you know, he's 28th, I think. So he's, you know, a little, little long in the tooth where teams tend to be looking for down there. But in terms of if you're a team that needs immediate help from a 10-day guy, I think he's got to be right at the top of your list. Like he, he's, he's definitely been, as, as far as shooting guards down there, like I think he's pretty clearly been the best one. Yeah, he's, uh, I always liked his defense. He's able to get out of it in transition and drive it. The the three-point shot was always like a little iffy for him if memory serves. I mean, he's been kind of off the radar for two, three years now yeah. after turning his Achilles for the, the Wizards. But, you know, he's like a 6'3", six, 6'4", six, combo guard. I, I guess I shouldn't say combo guard. He's probably just a straight. He's, I think he's just a straight um, too. Like, he's just wired to score. Yeah. What do you make of the impending news that uh, two-way guys are now just basically going to be nba players who don't get paid by nba players and don't count against the luxury tax where they're eligible for the playoffs and they also are not subject to this 50 game limit any longer i think it's something that the league felt like they had to put in to make sure that teams had the best chance possible to field a real roster in a playoff game and and that's where this comes from yeah, or, or even just in, in games the rest of the year, but particularly given this crazy schedule some of these teams are facing, you had games cancel in the first half. Exactly, exactly. These teams, you know, Memphis in particular, uh, I think San Antonio is also going to have 40 games, if I, if I recall correctly. So the, those teams, they're going to have multiple four and fives. It's just an ugly schedule, and they're probably going to need to rest players on multiple occasions, and this just gives them a much better chance of being able to to com- compete on a consistent basis. And then the other thing is this takes away some of the late season roster shenanigans that you used to see where teams would s- sign their 2A before the playoffs and cut somebody else so that the if it was a two- like Yuta Watanabe, who's in Toronto and is actually part of their rotation, even though he's a two-way, they would have had to sign him to a standard NBA contract and cut somebody uh, in, or- in order to fit him into that 15 and have him eligible for playoff games. And they don't have to do that anymore. Do you think that, I mean, I think clearly this is the right decision for the league. I, I laud it. But if you're an agent of a two-way player right now, is this a good thing or a bad thing for you? Yeah, it's I, not. One of these guys who actually, who actually might want to be called up yeah or, or, or signed would have normally been signed to an nba contract yeah they're gonna they're gonna miss players. out on some money it seems like because they're being paid as a two-way the rest of the year rather than being paid on a standard nba contract which would get them a little more i also think it maybe sets them up though a little better in the off season to where they can go in most of these guys will now go into the off season as restricted free agents and so they, they might be in a little better position to get a better deal from themselves. You know, something closer to what like, you know, John Conchar got from Memphis last summer, where instead of instead of being on a true minimum like Lugens Dort is, you're able to get, you know, the Conchar got what, 2.2, 2.3 and 2.4, right? So yeah, these guys will be in a little better position, I think, in the summer if they're not signed immediately. But on balance, if I'm an agent, I'm probably not super happy about it. Yeah, I think, I mean, we'll see. Like these restricted free agency as a two-way, I mean, that's just where your money goes to die, it seems like. Just ask Jordan McLaughlin yeah, about that. Or sure. uh, Ty Wallace back back in the day as well. I think Dan- Daniel, only- ha- Daniel House was probably the one who did the best out of it. Uh, yeah. 
three years at like three and a half, right? Well, but he, I think he had already come on to an NBA contract before that. Remember, like they actually his agent I thought did a great job of not signing the long term hinky special and just saying, hey, just convert us, and, and then I'll be a restricted free agent. But uh, because they they needed him for the playoffs in uh, whatever it was 2019, yeah. So they actually signed him to a real contract. But oh, it was they only they a converted him to the one year minimum, so it was the same net effect as if he had stayed on the two way. Right, but so so that actually worked out well for him. Um, I do, you know, Lou Dort obviously would have got a better deal after the playoffs than he did before. So the, if these guys actually play in the playoffs and perform, you know, I think they will be in in a decent situation. There's also just so much money out there this year as well. So may, maybe teams will just there'll be a less of a stigma of like, oh, the guy was on a two way, uh, so we can't. I mean, you can give him a restricted free agent offer sheet just like you can give anyone else. Uh, mm-hmm. Just for whatever reason, teams just don't do that due to the stigma of being on a two-way i guess so yeah all that money uh, will go to bad centers instead yeah and the other reason that you're probably better off getting a new contract in the offseason instead of signing like the the hinky special now like dort did is teams just have more flexibility right like some of these teams they're up against the hard cap or they just you know they they don't have any exception money left to give you more than the minimum at all and so that you can just you know you can get like something like conchar where you're getting two million instead of you're getting you know 1.6 yeah. or, or whatever yeah. Um, the other guy to really watch with this is uh, Garrison Matthews in Washington. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the other thing about it, too, is if the team isn't going to make the playoffs, then they would have had no reason to convert you anyway. <laughs> right. <which> yeah. It's <laughs> probably the case for, for the Wiz. You know, if you're yeah. in the case like Lou Dort, where they needed him for the playoffs. It, yeah. It you convert Garrison Matthews to forestall him becoming a free agent. Yeah. Um, what did you write about for the Athletic this week before we go? So I wrote about Lloyd Pierce's situation, obviously, uh, and we talked about that earlier. And then I also wrote about the uh, traffic jam in the East, uh, where as of Monday, we had seven teams tied in the loss column between 4th and 10th and trying to make sense of that and who's going to rise and who's going to fall out of that group. Yeah, so my prediction on that, uh, I, that I actually haven't had a chance to read that one yet. Uh, what was your conclusion? Well, I... I think it's going to end up a little closer to the way we thought it would be at the start of the season. Like, I still think Boston, Miami, Toronto have the advantage there. And that, you know, as we talked about a little while ago, I think Chicago, maybe New York are going to fade from that a little bit. Uh, Charlotte, though, man, they're kind of interesting. You worried about Indiana at all? Yeah, a little bit. You know, their upcoming schedule is death, like these next 12 games. So they could fall back from the pack a little bit. And then it's easy to say, oh, we'll make up for it with our schedule later. But there's a psychology to that. And there's a trade deadline coming up. So that kind of stuff can get in the way sometimes. They're an interesting team these next couple weeks for sure. Well, and it's it. Levert probably, it doesn't seem like, I mean, he might play a game or two, it sounds like, before the trade deadline, but not much. I mean, they desperately need his creation. I mean, they just got nobody who can attack him, off the dribble him, on this team other than Brogdon at this point. Yeah, him or Warren, one of them. Uh, I mean, getting Jeremy Lamb back has helped some, but he's been so bad on defense that he's kind of giving it all back, and it's tough for them to keep him on the floor all game. So, yeah, they're they're an interesting one because I think we all assume that like they, maybe they wouldn't be great, but surely they would make the playoffs in this conference. And now even that's looking a little dodgy. 
No, it is. I, I mean, I, I think they're, they may have to really, I, I mean, until they get some different personnel, I mean, the team that they have out there right now, I mean, I, I hope you're hard pressed to argue that they're any better than the Knicks or the Hornets or the Hawks or the Bulls or even the Wizards, uh, the way they're playing right now. So, uh, and it seems like Warren, I mean, that was, this wasn't really publicized at the time, but that's actually a navicular fracture, that stress fracture that he had. And he's supposedly still in a walking boot. Like he's not even doing any activity at all yet. So if he's not even doing any basketball, activity you have to imagine it's going to be at least you know end of april maybe at the earliest for him yeah which i mean that's they need him a lot sooner than that you don't me. you don't want to mess around with naviculars either like you, no. you you got it you definitely want to be air on the side of careful with those yeah it's it's an area that has such little blood flow that's why it takes so long i mean you know there's a reason joel Embiid missed two years in a row uh with the the navicular though supposedly the first surgery was uh not well done that was part of that and um, and you have but, to be careful even when they come back how you bring them back i mean that was one of the we had that yeah. with marcus all and even that even when he came back that next season i mean we sat him out in the back-to-back the fourth game of the season and we were managing his minutes very closely that whole first half of that season um all right well hopefully you will agree that this podcast uh, was well done we'll be off next week for the all-star game uh, but we'll be back to talk trade deadline surely in two weeks till then at Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.